I just tell you right now, I'm dangerous. I am in a dangerous mood because I'm happy, and man, oh man, it's a wonderful thing. When I get like this, sometimes I just go completely off script. You don't know what's going to happen this morning. All I know is this, God is good. Amen. Listen, I want to tell you something. I'm going to start on a little bit of a dark side. I've been, to, over the years, I've talked with people, and I've wanted to share my faith with them. And, uh, you know, one way of doing people, uh, you know, if you die today, do you know where you'll be tomorrow? And over the years, quite sincerely, people answered, you know, uh, I think this is it. I'm going to live my life to the fullest now, and when it's over, it's over. And I'm not going to worry about that. And that seems like a little bit of insanity to me. You've heard people, you know, the old bumper sticker says, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's insanity. I've stood at too many funerals, too many, where families grieve over the loss of a loved one. And if that's it, if that's all there is, then life doesn't add up. I remember in Psychology 101 many years ago, 1976, and the professor was there and he was just talking about, oh, all the great things that man has done. Wonderful, and now so it up and everything, and I, and I it was one of those moments out of my mouth, you know. You know me; that happens pretty often. But right there in the class, 150 students, as he talking about how great man is, and the words came out of my mouth: "If this is all there is, I'm going to be terribly disappointed." But beloved of God, it's. You whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, this isn't all there is. This is a brief moment in all of eternity. And for you who have accepted Jesus Christ, we have a glorious day coming. And the song is wonderful as it is. Man, it's just a foreshadowing, just a reminder of the great and glorious days that we have together in heaven with Christ. Amen? And see what it has to say. Revelation 20, verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the book according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we thank you. We thank you. As we stop and reflect, we remember what was accomplished at the cross. We have hope. We understand, Lord, that this is not all there is. And that you have not only a great plan for us in this very moment, oh, Heavenly Father, how good you are. But, Lord, you have a plan for all of eternity. And there will be that great waking up day. And we will be with you forever. Until then, help us, Father, to be found faithful. Help us to live according to your good calling. 
We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last 15 weeks, we've been going through some of the major theological themes of the Scriptures. My goodness, look at what you have participated in. The sovereignty of God. The primacy of the Scripture. The total depravity of man. The deity of Jesus. Substitutionary atonement. On and on. Weeks we've gone over some of the greatest themes of the scriptures. You have become theologians and you didn't even know it. Well done. And what a perfect way to complete our studies as we last week. I came across this week a quotation by a man named G.P. Singer, and he wrote these words. Oh, breathe through these words, won't you? Oh, think. To step on that shore, and that shore, heaven. To take hold of a hand, and that, God's hand. To breathe a new air, and feel its celestial air. To feel invigorated, and know it, immortality. Oh, think! To pass from storm and tempest, to one unbroken calm. To wake up, and find glory. Amen? This is your destination. We'll spend all, hey, by the way, you might as well get used to getting along with each other now because we've got a lot of time that we're going to spend together. Amen? Amen. So uh, this is so important, this theme of understanding our eternal destination because, listen, listen, life can be hard sometimes. Life can be hard. 456 times, though, the Scriptures talk about heaven. And the idea is this, persevere, stick with it, press on, because this little breeze, life that we have when we get home to be with Jesus. Last week we began looking at some of the questions about heaven and uh, we looked at questions like is it okay to long for heaven? Absolutely. Will we know each other in heaven? We certainly will. Is heaven a place? Absolutely. And, and, and so today we continue on with these questions about our eternal home. For instance, how will the new heaven and new earth be different from what we experience now? Well, scriptures have a lot to say about what we can anticipate, and it's all glorious. Listen, on this cloud today, are you ready for some glorious news? Amen, if you are. Revelation 21, 22, it says, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. There will be no temple in heaven because the temple was the place where God resided with his people. It was the intersection of heaven and earth, but that won't be necessary anymore. Because in a way that we can't even fully understand, do you understand that you will be in the presence of Jesus Christ? In a way that I can't understand the geometry of it, every believer will be in the immediate and eternal presence of Jesus. Listen, there's going to be a lot of great things about heaven. We're going to talk about them. We're going to go home and see our loved ones. There's not going to be any distance between us. There won't be friction like we see on this side of heaven. But the most glorious thing about heaven is that we will be in the immediate presence of Jesus. The scriptures say in Revelation 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. A country boy, a Colorado boy, who grew up in the mountains, discovered the ocean a little bit late in life. I was there was no sea. I mean, I learned to love the sea. Why is it there's no sea in heaven? 
let me put it this way. When my, my oldest boy, Joshua, he was uh, just about five years old. He was, he was, he was about the size, I think, uh, of Elizabeth. And, uh, and we took him out on a boat one day out on a lake and with some friends. And we had him in this old life preserver. The boy could not go underwater if he wanted to, you know. It was this huge life preserver. He was kind of bouncing up and down. And he was having the best old time. We couldn't get him out of the water until, until... Something swam right by his leg. And he didn't walk on water. He kind of ran on water. He was, he was just out of that water. Nope. He does not. Why is that? Why does the scripture say that there's no sea? Because listen, there's unknown right below the surface. There's things that are frightening just beneath what's known. And what the scriptures are trying to communicate is any unknown. There won't be anything that's light. There won't be anything to be afraid of. Because my soul, everything that I see about heaven is that it is light and it is love. And there won't be anything unknown and there won't be anything frightening and there won't be any exile and there won't be anything just below the surface. Everything will be beautiful. And beautiful is the river that will Flow from the throne of God. Second best thing about heaven, it says this, there will be no death in heaven. The first is that we'll be with Jesus. The second is that there will be no death. Revelation 21.4, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Jesus, in a way that, again, I don't fully understand, the scriptures say that the last tear that you will ever cry will be removed by the personal and loving hand of Jesus himself can you imagine that you close your eyes here and open them there to look into the beautiful face of Jesus and he'll remove that last tear and there'll be no more mourning or crying or tears can you imagine that there'll be no hunger or thirst Revelation 7 16 there'll no hunger nor thirst anymore nor will they hit the sun beat down on them, nor any heat, nor the shut gates. Revelation 21, 25 says this, In the daytime, for there will be no night, its gates will never be closed. Listen in the Old Testament. In olden days, and you know, when all of the bad things happened, they would close those gates. There's nothing below the surface. There'll be no reason to close the gate. Because there'll be nothing for you to fear. Fear. Fear is the life killer. Fear is the thing that just drains life away from us. Look up here. But you won't have to be afraid. There'll be nothing to be afraid of. On that great waking up morning. The scriptures say there'll be no fear. There'll be no sun or moon Revelation 21, 23, and the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. Now, there's one thing that we got to be cautious about when we start talking about heaven. The old expression that we can be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. You know, because really, we have a calling to fulfill I was talking to Shane this morning about, you know, my, my calling is to help you discover your calling. My calling is to help you find your spiritual gift. Never any plan for everyone just to kind of stay 
pews, be baptized and sit in the pews for 50 years. Never the plan. But Shane, we just wanted to help you discover what your gift is so that you can not only thrive in that, but you can receive the rewards that Jesus Christ has for you laid up in heaven. And brothers and sisters, there are rewards for you laid up. It's not just going to be good enough that you can just be, I mean, rewards. My goodness, if heaven isn't good enough already. But before the rewards is something called the white throne judgment. Revelation 20, 11, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence an earth fled away. And no place was found for them. And if anyone's name was not found in the lake of fire. Today represents two whose names were written in the Lamb's book of life. It wasn't the baptism that saved them. It wasn't, that wasn't the moment. But it was the time when they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And the scriptures say at that moment, the angels in heaven rejoiced. A great celebration, a great party over that. And it says that your name was written in the Lamb's book of life, that it can never be removed because of God's perfect gift through Jesus Christ. For anyone here today, I just say up front, if your name isn't written in the Lamb's book of life, you're the most important person here today. We just want you to be absolutely certain, absolutely know with great confidence that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life based upon your faith in Jesus, in Jesus and Him alone. Some would say what? That there's many ways to get into heaven, right? Some would say that you can believe the whole pantheon of God's. There's many ways to get to heaven. You can be a Buddhist. You can be a humanist. You can do 51% good and 49% bad. Some would say that Jesus is a good teacher, a good man, but not the only way. Listen, here's the thing. You can't believe Jesus is a good teacher and only one of many ways to heaven. Because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You can't call him a good teacher and a good man and at the same time call him a liar. In Acts 4 and 12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, and there is no name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. And that great white throne judgment will divide those that have accepted Jesus Christ as the only Son of God and the only path to salvation and those who have not. And at that moment, at the Bema seat, at the mercy seat, it's described in 2 Corinthians 5, we'll be given our rewards for what we've done or what we failed to do. Do you want to know what your rewards are? My soul, don't you think you should know what your rewards in heaven are? Here's why you should know. Because listen, it is so important to God that we do these things that he is willing to give you rewards for them. In other words, these are the important things to God. Don't you want to know what they are? Oh, someone say amen. amen. Maybe you'll get more excited when I tell you about it. Revelation 22, 12 says this. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. What specifically will we be judged for? Well, it says in the scriptures in Philippians 2, 16, that we will be given reward 
words, we'll be judged for the words that we speak on behalf of Jesus Christ. You know how hard it is sometimes. You know, you feel that little urging from the Holy Spirit that you're supposed to introduce Jesus to someone who's hurting. You're supposed to bring him into the conversation. What often happens? We start to get tongue-tied. We start to get nervous. We start to get self-conscious. We start to play the what-if game. I, I hope that at this moment, the next time that that happens, you'll remember back to this moment and think, I'm going to be judged for what happens at this moment. I'm either going to receive a reward or I'm not going to receive a, a reward for this. Behold, my reward is with me. And that seems terribly important. 1 Peter 4.13 says, We'll be judged that we endure in the name of Jesus. It says, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that at the revelation of, the, of his glory, at the coming of Jesus Christ, you may rejoice with exultation. The scriptures say that we'll be judged for our generosity in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says this, now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Listen, listen, this little moment of life that we have, you can make the choice whether you're going to be generous with the gift that God has given you or that you're going to hold on to them for yourself. Here's the thing, in this short little moment that you hold on, it's going to eternity. How long is eternity, by the way? Starts with an F, ends in R. Forever. So doesn't it make sense that we should be generous, that we should pour in our talents, that we should give of our finances? Sandy once told me when the boys were just, they just kept coming at me. It was like 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. And I was complaining about it. I said, Sandy, for goodness sakes, the only time these teenagers want to talk to me is when they want 20 bucks. Little did I know that that 20 bucks was going to go way up in the years to come. Sandy looked right at me and she said, don't you understand that you are just a conduit to be a blessing to your sons? Everything you have is a conduit for the kingdom of God. And if we get that, then on judgment day, we won't have to be embarrassed. We won't have to think, man, I wish I would have tithed. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who gives generously will be given much. We'll be judged on how we use our spiritual gift. 1 Peter 4.10 says, As each one has received a special gift, each one of you employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We'll be judged for winning souls to Christ. The deacons have committed, you know, we're going out. We've got about 40 or 50 new people to Sanford. And the deacons have committed that they're going to go out and visit every one of them. Man, I want you. See, deacons, I want you to see that what you're doing is you're preparing to receive your crown, your soul-winning crown, by using your gift and fulfilling your ministry. 1 Thessalonians 2.9, for those for who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation, is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus that is coming? For you are our glory and our joy. If we're found faithful, the scriptures say that we'll receive a heavenly crown. Won't that be something? Won't that be something? Am I connecting with y'all this morning? 
Are you concerned or think, I mean, my goodness, are you just taking for granted that we're all going to heaven and whatever happens, happens? Man, we're laying up blessings in heaven by using our gifts. And I hope you hear that this morning. Scriptures say there's two types of crowns. There's one called a diadem. That's reserved only for Jesus Christ. That's the crown crown. That's the, the jeweled crown. But there's another one called the Stephanos. And that's the victor's crown. That's for every one of you that perseveres, that uses your gifts, that generous, that endures persecution. There's a crown reserved, says the Scriptures, for those who complete the course with integrity. 2 Timothy 4.8. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but all all who have loved his appearing, have longed for it. Can you imagine the day that Jesus, the Savior of the world, the creator and sustainer of all life, looks into your eyes and gives you a crown? There's a crown for the, the soul winner. Revelations 3.11 says, but we must be careful or we will lose our rewards. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. 456 times the word heaven is 456 times the point is persevere. Don't give up. Man, we're, we're a church who mostly, mostly probably over the age of 50. And some might say to you, yourselves, well, you know, I've done my bit. It's time for me to set back. Man, your church needs you like never before. We need you. For your entire life, the church has poured wisdom and teachings into your life. And now we desperately need you as we try to kind of turn the trend line around. Don't give up. Persevere into the end. Run your course with integrity. I just want to leave two last thoughts about heaven this morning. The first is this. We must be careful to press on until we're safely home. And secondly, a reward is not receiving a wreath. Listen to the words of Revelation 4 and 10. The 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy art thou, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. I don't think there won't be any around in heaven. I got crowns. Mike, you only got six. Won't be any of that. In fact, what I think is going to be the briefest of all moments. There'll be that moment where Jesus says, well done, good and faithful for all those things that you've done. David, don't you want to hear those words? Hear those words. Don't you want to look into the Savior's eyes? Don't you want to... Here's the thing. That crown's not even for you to keep. The very idea is that once you receive it, there's going to be the briefest of all moments where you just take it off and say, all for you, Lord Jesus. Everything for you, Lord Jesus. 
And you know what? In such a moment, I don't want to be empty-handed. I want one body, one family to make the most of this time so that when he gives us those rewards, those crowns in heaven, I'll be ready. We'll be We could talk about heavenly occupations, but I've run out of time this morning. I just want to finish with two last questions. First, there's not a doubt in my mind that many of you are going through great difficulties right now. I know you are. Some I know about and some I don't. Most probably I don't. Challenges with family or finances or friend. It's just part of our human experience the apostle paul says that while we're in this in this tent we groan philippians 3:20 we we groan longing to be home with jesus but as we go through these bumps these bruises these trials these tribulations can we not simply see them as labors but as labors of love that will enable the most incredible journey to the most incredible destination And when we get there, the scriptures promise us that it will be worth every sacrifice, every trial. Stay faithful. Secondly, maybe that ab roller video didn't make much sense to you. I was kind of trying to watch it through your eyes, and maybe it didn't. But here's the point. There are so many things that we can invest our life in our time, our energy, and our finances. And in the end, they're all going to end up on the junk table, on the yard sale table, worth little or nothing. Everything except what we do in love for Jesus Christ. That will last forever. 2 Peter 3, 7 says, by, by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. Everything that we know will be burned up in a moment. So many of the things we invest our life in. And so the question of the day is, are we investing our life in what's eternal or what's simply going to end up on the yard sale? Peter answers it this way. In verse 11, he says, Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening and coming the day of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with heat? What are you investing life in? Are we investing in the yard sale table? Are we things that will last forever? Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we thank you so much for all the gifts that you pour into our lives. And truly, Father, oh God, you are overwhelming. Not by our own goodness, but only out of your generosity, your love, your long-suffering, your patience with us. You have blessed us with so much abundance. You have 
And so help us. Help us to keep our eyes just above the horizon. Help us to do the things that will last forever. Things that will bring us fulfillment and joy and joy even to the heart of a king. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.